and you're very welcome to the book club on Leitrim Daily. My name is Mary Blake and we're here to talk to you about this month's book. We have Orla Kelly from the Reading Room and Hilda King, librarian. And also we're going to have a contribution today from Carrie Gallen, author Kevin McManus. So this month's book, Orla, will you tell us a little bit about it, why you chose it? I will, Mary. How are you? Um, this month's, month's book was Travelling in a Strange Land by David Park. Uh, David Park is a Northern Irish writer. And I chose this book um, because I suppose of the similarities with the current situation that we're living through now. And you'll say, oh, God, I don't want to read something like that. But it isn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. I suppose I'll just give you a broad overview of, of the of the story itself. The world is shrouded in snow and transport has ground to a halt. Tom must venture out into a transformed and treacherous landscape to collect his son, Luke, who's sick and stranded in student lodgings in England. And Tom is coming from Northern Ireland. And why I chose it is because he's taking this solar journey in this quiet landscape where the world has stopped, which we can all, I suppose, identify with, um, given the last uh, 10 to 11 months that we've been living through this strange time. And he must go and rescue his son, who is um, who is ill. So he must go and get him, but he can't take the normal routes home. So so there's a little bit of a pilgrimage involved. Um, and also because I suppose it was during Christmas and because we've just come through the Christmas period and it's very hard to get um, a Christmas book. Uh, I suppose most people, when they think of a Christmas book, they think of Charles Dickens and a Christmas Carol. And I wanted to just get a little bit of atmosphere in terms of that. And I felt um, this book ticked quite a few of those boxes in terms of its topicality, even though it isn't topical. Um, but the, the, the themes are resonant, I thought, and also then the time of year. Um, tell us a bit about this uh, author, David Park. Any other books of note that he has written? Yeah, this is actually David's um, 11th book. He is quite, he's quite, I suppose, not prolific. Prolific is probably a wrong word, but 11th book. He is a, he is a retired teacher. He retired in oh, around 2002. I could be wrong, so apologies, David, if I'm wrong, um, to become a full-time writer. He's from Northern Ireland and would write, um, has written quite a lot of fiction and short stories in and around Northern Ireland, I suppose, representative of, of the culture that he comes from. Uh, one of the ones that's uh, quite stark, is quite interesting, is The Truth Commissioner, where he reimagines the time. This was published before uh, the power sharing executive, or just in it, when it was in its nascent form, perhaps, where somebody who was a former um, activist, uh, on the ground active uh, member of a military organization, um, has reformed and is now a member of the um, is now a member of the government and what that means and the impact. So he very much explores themes of of love, of redemption, of violence, of power. Um, yeah, so it's, he's he's quite a very he's an interesting author. Doesn't write exclusively about Northern Ireland. Another interesting book that he has is called The Poets' Wives, where he uh, looks at the women behind um, three poets. So yeah, he's he has an interesting. Mm. Yeah, very good. And Northern Ireland, although it is very much set proudly in Northern Ireland, the troubles are just like play a cameo role really in this book. Absolutely. This is post Northern Ireland. This is yeah. looking at a Northern Ireland that is in the, in the past in a way because he's he's dealing exclusively with the relationships. I would have thought um, in this one. Yeah, he, he had dealt a lot with that in his previous novels through yeah. his previous. Very good. Hilda, had you re read any David Park before? 
I have about 20 years ago, I read um, The Light of Amsterdam and I enjoyed that. It actually, some of the themes were similar. Uh, there was a teenager in that one too. But interesting enough, he came to um, a seminar in the library about that book. And, you know, at the end of this book, he says, if you want to see the photographs that I use, he gives you a link at the back page. Well, at that seminar, he brought a, a gramophone and a record player because he had used a, a song, a theme song in the in the uh, book. And he, he wanted us all to listen to this as he would have had it in the book. You know, so it's an interesting aspect to bring a physical item, you know, for yeah. an author, you know, like and, like and a, that, a soundtrack to the to the book. And he yeah. music, you can tell music means something to him because he does have yeah. um, some some music reference throughout this. What did you generally think of it, Hilda? This book, I thought, was very moving and um, very honest um, story about relationships between fathers, a father and a son particularly, but also about the parents and teenagers and the effects of a wayward teenager on the family in a broader sense and on the relationship between the mother and the father. And, of course, his own journey through depression and anxiety comes right through the book as well. So at times, it was a tough read at times. I, I, but at the same time, I think the honesty that he came through and the, the subject he was dealing with, it's one of the most difficult, I think, uh, in the world to, 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 to speak about and analyze. And there is no right answers. And I think he was facing that issue all the time. What, what, what's the right thing to do? you know, yeah. in, in, in situation. And the character Tom, which is the main character, I mean, when I read it, as I was reading it, I really believed this character. I really felt he was very credible and, and actually somebody that I would quite like. He was creative and he was, thought, you know, he considered other people even within his own grief and his own um, quest really which this is all about uh, and the relationship as you said with his wife Lorna is very interesting they're working hard to keep that on the road I'd be interested to see what um, Kevin McManus thought of it this book is short but I like that I despise some books that are over long just for the sake of it uh, the writing style here is economical but it's also very beautifully constructed. The story is a stunning elegy to parental love, a touching, intense tale of an ordinary man and his family trying to cope with loss and fear and hope. It's like a lament to hopes dashed, everyday life and loss as one man travels through the snow to bring home his son. I read the book fairly quickly, but it took me a while to make my mind up about it. I must admit at first I thought it was just okay, I love the writing style, but the story wasn't really grabbing me at first. It just appeared to be a car journey from Belfast to Sunderland in the snow at Christmas time. But as the book progressed, it obviously began to operate at a much deeper and more powerful level. And so it you know, began to grab me at that stage and uh, I really began to enjoy it. And it started to make sense. I came to realise there were two family stories here operating in tandem. Sometimes that got it got a little bit, bit confusing sometimes, you know, when there was the constant flashback to the past, uh, which was cutting into the the main narrative. It 
sometimes it got a little bit confusing. And it wasn't until I got to the climax, the end of the journey, that the book really hit me. It's like when an epiphany occurs for the for Tom, the narrator, and the true message of the story is revealed. Tom realises his own failings. There's some very beautiful set pieces in the book, sometimes very inspiring, sometimes very harrowing. The imagery is very precise. David Park needs few words to convey really complex ideas, not least the bonding near the end with the Angel of the North, which is a very powerful image and is written so, so well. Uh, Park trusts his readers to fill in the blanks, to make associations, and he gives his readers the time and space to let their own imaginations wander. So that's the important thing about this book. It kind of makes you sit and think um, and kind of read literally between the words. Uh, so Park is a very generous writer who lets the inherent goodness of the human spirit shine through in all of his characters, even when they go to very dark places. The only negatives I could find here were that there was a couple of minor detours from the story journey, such as the lady who Tom assists after she has crashed her car, and also when he gives an old woman a lift home from a petrol station. I was scratching my head afterwards thinking, what was the point of these diversions? Where do they fit into the general plot line? Maybe I missed something. Perhaps it was illustrating that he was becoming a more caring person. I'm not sure. I just kept thinking, you know, where are these little stories going to fit in into the climax? Perhaps they do. You know, maybe I missed something. However, this is a book that will linger long in the memory. The kind of book that stays with you long after you've finished it. In particular, the final section, which was very moving. It was a wonderful book, highly recommended. Uh, I must admit, I haven't read any of this author's books before, but I certainly will. Overall, a marvellous book. Five out of five. Ooh, five out of five. Very good. Orla, have you any response to what you heard Kevin talk about there? Well, I think it's very interesting when he said he's economical with his writing, and it's true. I mean, this is a slim, this is a slim book. I, I like um, books like this because... Um, they're they're deceptive because they're always very full. And um, when writers take such time to tell you a story succinctly, there's something there's something I I always find it's my it's my experience that there's something very beautiful within, um, and that you see a lot of writers do. And it's interesting as well that uh, David Park would actually cite uh, John McGahern um, and Alice Munro, who I would think are two. Uh, you know, serious craft people about how, the words they choose and how they how how they tell a story. And McGahern always saw the detail in the, in the small, in the day to day. And I think that David Park brings that out. Um, I would just say to one of the bits that Kevin was saying, and I do understand that, is that you know the the interludes where he's helping the woman waiting at the ambulance and he's helping the woman. I kind of just felt. Again, you're sort of thrown by that because you're you're within his world and it's such a solitary journey and you're within with him. But I I interpreted as thought as somebody who is he's um 
his career, his job was as a photographer and he always felt on the outside and very, certainly very detached. And I think it was, as Kevin alluded to, this idea that he was actually trying to participate or become an active participant in life, in the, in the, in the surrounding, because he's always felt that kind of detachment of, you know, when you, if you're looking at things and, and posing things. And it, it was just, that would just be one of my reactions to it anyway, but yeah. Yeah, I, I actually liked those little diversions. I thought that um, although they did take us out of the story a little bit, I think that it, it was showing that he, he wants to do the right thing. He's a, also as a photographer, I'd say it is your nature to stop when, when something unusual is happening. But um, I like those two stories of humanity and I, but I was interested in their stories. And he didn't go down that rabbit hole either. He just left them and moved on and as Kevin said I was kind of wondering are we going to find out if that woman is okay are we going to you know are we going to meet her again but I thought it was I, I thought it was realistic that under such a circumstance you would come across people in need this was this book Travelling in a Strange Land is a very much um, an unusual as you said pilgrimage and journey um in in a very snowy condition to go and save his son Hilda did anything jump out at you from what Kevin said yeah the the in those um I'd nearly say intrusions because that atmosphere in the car journey was so all enveloping you were there with him looking out the window at all the different snowy landscapes that he described throughout and I felt they were very natural, those little intrusions. And I also liked them because it lifted the book a little bit. You know, you were there in the torment of his head, who he was being haunted by these images and um, questions about, did he do things right and all this. And it was very natural that, you know, if you're in that journey, you would pull into the garage and you would um, interact with somebody. And even, I think, at one of the points he said, uh, he wished the guy luck when he bought something and he was hoping the guy would say good luck to him, you know, that he needed this sort of confirmation or encouragement. But yeah, I, I like the intrusions. And I also thought it punctuated the whole length of the journey. It, it sort of allowed us a breathing space to absorb the subject matter. He was, it was very intense. Um, and the satnav, I mean, the satnav, was very symbolic, I suppose, really, with her giving directions all the time. And he wished that he could have had somebody like that direct him through all the torments of his life. Um, like Kevin as well, um, I read it fairly quickly. I, you know, it's not it's it, it's very easy language and easy, easy to read. But, yeah, reflecting on it was the big thing. And uh, it, it, there was such so many layers in the book to think about that you could actually write another book talking about it. Yeah, and that's the that's just proves what a good writer he is, that we are thinking about it and, and find and wondering is there more that we missed. There was a slow burning kind of teasing um, of the plot line really about you know what 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 is the story with with Daniel, this son. And sometimes I find that a little bit irritating I want to say just tell us already you know uh, rather than you know teasing us and making us go to all these places in our minds am I the only one Orla does that niggle you or do you go with it well, I, 
I kind of thought as well that it, he was sort of a, doing a little bit of a red herring in terms of it's it still felt it felt is it about Luke but Luke didn't seem that sort of initially you know so you're right it was peeling it back like very slowly like an onion for you and his angst and his trauma is initially it's slow to to grasp but I think it's more I didn't it didn't annoy me as I was reading it, it's something that I reflected on again. It's it's one of those books that um is very uh, is deceptive because of the slim nature of it. Everything that you you reading it, you've consumed it, and and that's kind of sometimes with that. But it's the reflection back, and then the think about that, and the the. But I I I think the overall sense of of the themes of the book stayed with me rather than the. The notion of being confused, you know, annoyed at the reveal or the instances. I think it just it was that slow, echoey need of grief, that that sense of understanding that he was traveling through. And here was a man that we needed to to try and understand, I suppose. And I didn't particularly warm to him, actually. To talk. Yeah, I didn't. Oh, I, I did. didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I just there was something about him. I think it was that detached sense and this when somebody's wearing something so heavy on their shoulders all of the time and won't share it. And maybe this is what you were reflecting earlier. I was I was kind of annoyed at that bit. Yeah, so probably the same. I just I didn't find him overly sympathetic initially. I it took me a while to warm to him, to be honest, for those for those reasons. Yeah. So maybe because that's I actually yeah, because he was quite guarded in so many ways as well, and how he how he leaked all this information to us. Uh, I thought a very important character in this book was Lily. Lily is the youngest of um, Tom and Lorna's children. She's significantly younger than the two boys, and I think um, she was a really important character. And she was kind of the reason why they kept the whole show on the road. And I thought she was an important character. And even we had a lot of phone calls during the journey, um, which also broke it up because really it, it, it is a challenge to break up a single journey along a road um, without even the sat-nav or these other characters coming in. But um, Lily and Lorna, the two women in the book, Hilda, did you have any feelings about that? Yeah, they were sort of, Lorna was his uh, strong, his wife. Sol, yeah, his his wife and his strong solid block. She dealt with all the issues in the family much more different than he did. Um, she was made herself busy and kept the bed warm in case Daniel might come home and uh, left the light on and all this type of thing. He walked the streets and he worried all the time that he had done something wrong. Um, Lily was sort of the pure white innocence in the whole family. And it's sort of, she was the thread of light through the whole book, really, that ultimately he sort of came home. He was, he was protecting his family and he wanted this family to work. And he was gathering the strength through all this internal dialogue to arrive at that point. Mm. Um, I thought as well that um, the fact that everybody he met along the way, um, he would really want to tell them, even the people on the ferry and the people in the shop, I'm going to Sunderland to collect my son, he's sick. Really looking for them to say, you are a good man or you are a good dad. And I thought that was 
beautifully done because nobody really said that, but he still had the need to say that. Well, actually, it's interesting because I, I, I took a quote from that because I think you're absolutely right. And also Lorna did say to him, I think it was just before he left that you are a good father. And he says, um, the quote, I'll just quote, it said, it's not a claim I'd ever make for myself. But I think that if I bring our son home in my own mind, it might just help even tip the balance, however, temporarily in my favor. And I think you're absolutely right when you say that he's looking for that constant validation because he needs it. Yeah. Mm. And another quote I, re I wrote down here. Maybe it makes me feel good that I'm doing something mildly heroic. And as mm. someone who spends his life taking photographs of things that don't particularly interest him, there isn't much opportunity to feel heroic. You know, so I thought that was, um, I thought, yeah, I just, I felt, I really felt for this guy throughout. And, uh, you know, that that thread of grief is just going through the whole thing. It's just dragging, it, it, it drags him down, but it still the story can rise above it and we can, um, I, I think it works very well. So, yeah, so it sounds like you all kind of enjoyed that book. I wouldn't say enjoy, no, Mary. Oh, really? <laughs> um, yeah. No, no, I wouldn't say enjoy. I think it was very um, reflective book. I think the issues he dealt with were they're not easy issues. Um, you know, uh, the turmoil parents go through with teenagers. Now, obviously, some sail through and some don't. But those that whole conflict he brought out, I thought, was very poignant. Where you know, there's the love and the worry and then the helplessness and the anger, you know, when, when his son, when he found his son stealing, he found, he, he got angry with him and he said, you're infecting the whole, well, his reaction was that he was infecting the whole family and that he had to sort of, um, I won't, can't say the words because I'll tell away the story, but he dealt with it in such a way that he felt he had to protect his family and isolate his son, if you want to call it. Which is, a, I mean, that must have been horrendous sort of thing to have to do. And yet he felt it was the right thing to do, not necessarily at the time, but as the story went on. I, I thought he dealt with that. Um, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a very, there was no answer to those things. You know, what's the right way to rear your, your teenagers? Um, he's coming home, he's not coming home. And, he, and when he appears and he looks that he's not in a good place, he says, are you doing stuff? And I thought he epitomized that answer. The, Daniel answered back, he says, oh, no, so you think I'm a junkie, you know, so that's a typical teenager turns the whole thing around, you know, and you're the you're the bad person suggesting this, you know, so I thought he brought out all those sort of issues. But because I thought about them all, I, I had a, I had a lot of sympathy for him and that there's no easy answer. And he, he was all the time looking when he was rearing his son. How, how do I get this right? How, how do I be a good father, you know? And, and this is, is the um, thing that we can, we can uh, judge. We, we can't imagine how we would be in that situation because if there is a toxic person, I know it's an awful comment, but it, if there was somebody who was really causing so much distress in the family unit, you know, would we just say, there's the door, just go. And then the consequence of that. And the consequence of keeping him, that could have been another book altogether, trying to keep somebody within the family and, 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 and keep them minded and protected. So yeah, it is, I suppose, there's a lot of guilt going through that book and, and failure and 
resentment even. I would have liked, though, to be honest, and I agree with all of that, but I would have liked also to have heard from Lorna. I think that would have been a nice parallel narrative because maybe he just wanted it, it is a father-son relationship the nature of the book obviously but I think it would have been a really interesting um extra you know because of the nature of the story to hear from the mother to hear from what it's like to, to have that experience as well because you know it is about parenting and as you rightly say there's no template for this there's no template for when things are good and there's certainly no template for when things go bad and I think that would have been for me I think that would have enhanced this as well if he was able if we were able to hear from her I know we did but not you know to hear her inner world, to have her inner reflections, to have that parallel because of the story that it was. I think um, Lorna was, even though we didn't hear her voice that much, um, he talked about her handling a situation in their past when they were um, had some um, criminal involved in their life and how she kind of dealt with it. And I took from that that he felt a little demasculated or, or something fr fr from that event and and Lorna she had um the lunches packed and she had the lempsips in the uh, flask of lempsip ready for them and all she she kind of was that uh, person who sorted things out and maybe that um impacted Tom in his um, with his guilt and resentment I don't know Sure, but again, I suppose it's perspective, isn't it? And that's the bit that I suppose, you know, when you you sometimes you have to, you know, get on with life and sort it out. And her coping mechanism is make sure everybody has everything, get the lemsips, get everything packed and do it right. And, and, and yeah, it would have been interesting to hear, you know, her reaction to his, uh, I don't know, impartiality, his stepping away from the world, his, not, his lack of involvement sometimes. And maybe that, that incident, you know, those th things might have just had another light on it. That's, uh, mm. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think this was, a, this was primarily a father and son book or a father's book, really. Ha have, you, yeah. have you had any feedback from um, any other readers on this book? Yeah, one, one had read it and she liked, a bit like Kevin, she had a bit of the reaction she found it confusing a bit in the in the in the beginning of the book, uh, moving in and out of different time spans and things like that. Uh, she's rereading it now, so I don't know what her her final verdict will be. But yeah, that was a, a, a small reaction. Yeah, positive. Um, anybody that I've spoken to that's read this has, has mm -hmm. found it a very um, an, an excellent book that they really thoroughly yeah. enjoyed it for all of the reasons we've said. Really, to be honest, I know. You. And as Hilda said, I can't. I, I don't know if we can say we enjoyed it, but we can. I, I certainly feel it was a very beautifully written book. And as Kevin said, the language was so uncomplicated beautiful. and mm -hmm. simple and you know lots of beautiful imagery in it as well so yeah I thought it was a very strong book for sure Kevin gave it five out of five would any of you venture to give your Orla always cringes I... a little bit when we say this yeah. you hate this part yeah. do you I do I do I do I do I find it really hard to numerically award points to a book to be honest with you I really do I so I mean but look it's a strong book um the writing is there, um, the story, it does stay with you. So you'd have to be giving it a four, a four out of five for sure. I would agree with that. Yes, Hilda, what did you think? I think I'd agree again. It's. I think it was very, very, very well crafted. I think this, the subject matter and doing that sort of stream of consciousness or that sort, it was, it was a very difficult 
thing he set out to do, really, a car journey and write a novel and all the thoughts coming through. I, I think he, he's a has to be a master of his craft to to yeah. get that through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think no doubt. And, and as Kevin said, you know, those other books would be well worth um, reading. I mean, I, I would stand over recommending this book, to be honest. I have recommended it to a few people since I read it. And, um, you know, it is it is just such a well-crafted book. So another good choice from Orla Kelly in the reading room with that book. And Orla brings us on to what's the next one? Well, this one, uh, we, we're going from um, uh, somebody who has written quite a lot, as a David Park, that was his 11th novel, to a debut novelist. And um, the uh, name of this book is Such a Fun Age, and it's by Kylie Reid. I don't know if you've come across it. I'll just give you the, 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 back, the blurb on the back of it, as I say. Um, when Amira is apprehended at a supermarket, I should say this is in America, uh, for kidnapping the white child she's actually babysitting, her employer, Alex, resolves to make things right and so begins a crash course that will upend everything they think they know about themselves, each other and the messy dynamics of privilege. So there's and a lot in this and it's contemporary America. So and it's so pertinent at the, at the, at the moment, too. That sounds great. So that's a debut <clears throat> novel by Kylie Reid. Kylie Reid. It was published actually this time last year and she was long listed for the Booker, uh, but it's excellent. Uh, well, I mean, it's it, it got excellent reviews. It's very timely, as you say, about America and racism, relationships, ambition, social media. It's it's all here, apparently. So I'm looking forward to that. Is there anything else out at the moment, Orla, that you'd like to um, tell us about? Well, I will tell you there's... Um, there's a de debut, another debut actually coming at the end of this month, and it's by Una Mannion. I don't know if you're familiar with her. She, oh, yeah. um, she's a teacher. Yeah, she's a teacher down in Sligo IT, and it's called the Crooked Branch, and that's coming on the 21st of this month. And I'm actually really excited about this. I just, I heard her read from it last year. She was at an event that we organised, um, at the International Women's Day event, and she read. I, I've heard her read about it before, from it before, and it's excellent. There's something about her style. It's just, it's the involvement of an accident there's an accident and the, there's a child involved and it just all sounds terribly intriguing and again the writing style is um is compelling so i'm looking forward to that yeah also i am so looking forward to that maybe she's somebody we could have a chat yeah. with yeah, i think she'd be exciting great. i think she'd be yeah. great because i know she's so well regarded in sligo it um her students she's one of those uh, lectures that students really talk so warmly about so mm -hmm. Hilda have you been reading anything that you could recommend to us or well I'm I'm reading um Maggie O'Farrell's Hamnet um I was I was halfway through it when I I had to stop it to read um David Park's book but uh it's about Hamlet uh, Shakespeare's Hamlet and um, but she just reimagines his life he was a twin and that lady has a fantastic imagination back to it's 1596 it's based in but she writes so so well very very luscious prose right the details she can come out with I don't know where she gets it whether it's imagination or research but it's um, I'm enjoying it I'm, I'm really enjoying it halfway through that was a very popular book this year, wasn't it, Orla? Huge, 
huge um yeah it was it it was won a prize as well it won the list oh okay i won't say what prize it won because i can't remember sorry i should but i don't know but yeah uh, hugely popular um yeah very popular very well regarded maggie o'farrell is always very well regarded um i'm not a big fan to be honest i've said this to hilda before i don't get on well with her fiction but she wrote a great non-fiction um book um called i am i am i am and that is just amazing i thought it was yeah. amazing anyway yeah. She, she is very popular all right at that book and any other what was your what was the big seller this year gone oh um well in terms of fiction hamlet absolutely and also uh the one that won the booker prize which is shuggy bane i don't know if you're familiar with this one it won the booker prize but it um it's the story of a, of a young boy growing up in glasgow um and it's it's poverty it's outsider's life it's tough it's tough living uh, that was hugely hugely popular uh, in terms of biography actually what was very popular was that you know the super vet knows it's faster cow animals saved my life uh, and also um mary Casty, dr mary Casty. she's a, uh, people have a voracious interest in autopsies so. Oh, yes. Yeah. Us a lot. <laughs> and how do we get our books from you? Um, are you doing click and collect or do people ring the shop? No, the new level five restrictions, we're not allowed to have click and collect, but we are, I am recommending. Um, I can post and I can deliver. So you can contact the shop um, on 071-96-71580 or you can send me an email at books at thereadingroom.ie or via social media. I'm contacting. Perfect. Perfect. So if anybody wants to give a chat, chat to you about what they might like and what they'd like for, you can give them that time and stick it in the post for them so they don't have to venture out, even if they were allowed. So someday we will get out of here and we'll meet in the flesh. We are doing this on our phones and it's just a bit, it just would be nice to have the four of us in the room, but um, it's not going to be for a while yet. So thank you very much, ladies. And thank you, Breffney, in the office. And we will, um, and thank you, Kevin, for your contribution. Always puts a lot of work into that. We appreciate that. And keep up writing and reading. So thanks very much. We see you next time on the Book Club at Leitrim Daily. <laughs>